Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. In this chat, I'm hoping to get to talk to Libby about what it's like to work in a bookshop and what it's like to work in a small town community because I feel that that's something that I got to do with my own shop. Always nice to talk to other people who have similar experiences. I'm so lucky to call her my cousin in the bookshop game. I'd also really like to talk to her, well, about the importance of children's reading. I think that's so important. Also, how she got into reading, how she got into the book selling. Her favourite reads, I'm hoping to find out which ones I should add to my TBR. I just love Libby and cannot wait for the opportunity to chat with her today. Hello! Hello! Thank you so much for squeezing me in. Thanks, Libby. Please, thank you. That's so nice. So I said in my intro that we were bookshop cousins before we had to close. So nice having you as a cousin. I know. We We still are. You're so much cooler. <laughs> we haven't actually really met except for the time at Catherine Greer. That's right, Catherine Greer. We met her. at her launch, but otherwise we just keep near missing it. Exactly, because I can't believe you came into my shop the day that I was not there. Writers Festival. If I'd known, I would definitely have been working that day. If I thought that, I thought you guys would have all packed up on the Sunday and vanished. We didn't book it in because I thought that we would be, but no, I couldn't possibly leave Avalon without the <laughs> beach cycle. Thanks my cousin little shop thank you oh it's such a gorgeous shop and it's exactly how I featured it as well we do such a good job with the socials that it's exactly how I featured it good that's it was funny because that was where I originally wanted to have it, but there was another tenant in there. So until that became available thanks to COVID, we were just behind it. So it's funny how things work out. Yes, absolutely. I'd been eyeing off the premises that I had for years before taking the leap. Been so long dreaming about the shop. And then when that closed, I looked around and I got close to signing a couple of leases actually, but nothing had that coming home feel. Nothing felt right. Yeah. But yours, I think, great move. It's the most perfect spot ever. Yeah. No, we're very happy there. So, yes, I'm definitely living the dream. Yes. But you also spent years in the making for it too, didn't you? How long had you been wanting to open a bookshop for? Probably since I was about 11. And it's funny what I know now about my mother. It makes a lot of sense now why we ended up being in Beecroft. I was born in Concord and that's where I grew up. And mum would drive from Concord to Beecroft all the time to go to the children's bookshop all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Robin Morrow was originally had opened it up. She owned it for 21 years before she sold it. Wow. And so mum moved us as a family to Beecroft. So we moved and we were literally 100 metres up the road. So because she loved the bookshop so much. And then she ended up working there. So and then I would pretend to work there, of course, (laughs) because I know how growing up with this everything my mother seriously made no money working there she probably took out a second mortgage to work there because Mm. I was just going through a whole bunch of books the other day and they're still price (laughs) stickered and they were $24.95 in 1981 
which yeah. in today's like $117. Yes. So when people come in and complain about the cost of books, I was like, I am not going to take that because they're no. actually cheaper than they've ever been. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Wow. I did not realise that. I was thinking the other day that my Sweet Valley High books were like four ninety five, and but that was a lot. Yeah. But yeah. So that would be the equivalent of like 25 or 30 bucks today. This is just regular stuff. This is seriously what mum would bring home every she had a big wow. the non-fiction was amazing but that's oh well the apple has not fallen far from the tree oh. must be where you got your love from reading and books from yes what i was saying to you on the email earlier the thing that makes me most afraid of the generation that's in primary school now is i don't know how many of those kids are being infused with the same love for reading because I think about two years of homeschooling and the pressures that just placed on every single person to then find the time to then also sit down try and teach to read yeah I just think that just didn't happen yeah I think COVID's going to have some really long-term impacts and effects as well I think the last thing you felt like doing at the end of lockdown living was pulling out a book and doing more reading Um, you really need to have that person role modeling how much they love a book and you need to have all of the options right there in front of you you really need a good bookshop and have all of the options so I guess that's where I was blessed because that was had that in my life yeah Um, and also great libraries and everything like when we live in Concord we're literally two doors down from the library there so well goodness I bet that was no accident either no probably not just thinking having access to books and being around books and the roles that school libraries play in that magic too yes I mean, I don't have kids, but with my nieces, we'd always go for a date to a bookshop or to the library and they would never pick the ones that I thought they would pick or the ones that I would get for birthdays and Christmases. But I think being able to choose your own book at a bookshop, like I just remember Rose looking up at me with these eyes that were just like, oh my goodness, I get to take one home. Wow. Yeah. So important, isn't it? is and I just so that thing I think there's sort of two calls to action I think and needed more people need to step up and play that role in a younger person's life even if they're not immediate family they could be a neighbor or just take that responsibility because obviously people that listen to you and meet with you also we're all sort of preaching and converted but yeah we're all in the book love world aren't we (laughs) (laughs) look around you for the the ones that are falling away and potentially missing what we've all just now take for granted and the other thing I think would be great is to see some resources go into pay like all schools rely on volunteers for the people to come in and listen to but if there was a scheme that people could get a little bit of pocket money to go in and support absolutely it just needs to be normal and to be a reader I remember catching the bus once and there was a lady sitting next to me who was reading who was just loving it and that's a lifelong memory yeah my sisters are teachers and I know that they spend all the time that they can with reading but it's not the same imagine a yeah a neighbor a, a volunteer somebody just coming in and listening to the kids reading you can do that but I think more could be done yeah we do rely a lot on people doing it for love we all know in our industry whether you're a writer or a bookseller you are doing it for love as a throwaway comment she took out a second mortgage just to be able to work and I didn't even flinch it's so what you do as a book lover isn't it you're never going to be a millionaire no but we would like to see the people who are going to be nurturing our next generation of book buyers to see some reward for doing that yeah absolutely 
psychic income of can't be buying a house with that don't you just thank your lucky stars that you're a reader i reckon not a day goes past that i don't thank goodness i'm a reader especially when because a lot of the people that come into our shop there's always like a flurry in the beginning of the school year and it's not sustained so it's like because they're yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, wow, I've always wanted to do that, but then... Yeah, I it's don't. like a year's resolution, isn't it, I think? We always get a huge <laughs> influx to you as well with your book clubs. Yes, of course. I know. Yeah, all of I've always wanted to be part of a book club. It's true. <laughs> Can you just quickly please talk about how much you put into the community? Because Libby, Beachside Bookshop, you do so much and it really yeah. goes under the radar. I think you realise it's a lifestyle rather than a living. So I think you're already primarily out there with the intent of giving people a really great day, a visit to our bookshop. You should come in and be pleased to be coming in, but have enjoyed so much being in the shop and choosing books and talking about books that you leave even better. Like you leave much happier, already coming in happy. You know, that sort of thing. That's what motivates Yes, absolutely. You've nailed it. For me to come in when we have already had so much people. So I think I chose the best book. It was fantastic. Such a good book. Thank you very much. I chose the best book based on your recommendation. It wasn't one that I would have heard of. I don't think it wasn't on my radar, but I left with the biggest smile on my face. I knew that I was going to be in for a good reading experience. It was just such a great way to do the morning. I know. And it's just sort of like a lot of people, as you know, when you've bought books from other people, and you actually feel like you've already read it. You're so excited that you've got this book in your hands. You've almost read it. Like you feel that great experience of having read a great book before you even leave the shop. Absolutely. Yes. A recommendation from somebody that you trust really gives you that just settle in, buckle up, get comfortable feels, doesn't it? Yeah. And then with the book clubs, because we've got quite a few, we've got a primary school one, then we've got a teen one. And then Danica has one, which just seems to be all women. And then my husband explicitly has a blokes book club. So I think my (laughs) favourite talk about are the blokes book club because all these people have lived in the area but have never met each other and they're men from their like late 80s down to their sort of late 40s so it's been running five or six years now and it's seen some of those members through quite big life changes you know they've lost wives and they've all sorts of things have happened but this has been their anchor and they religiously come every month so I was going to read fiction because my husband's view was like himself he only ever read non-fiction read the papers read so he just wanted the blokes to read fiction and so they started off reading crime fiction good way in right in a segue in and now they they're really impressive readers and the books that they've rated as being their favorite books you would not expect it at all like they just so the colony by Audrey McGee was like their favourite book last year. It was the highest rating score. Oh, I've got that on my list. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they just loved it. They obviously love Lessons in Chemistry. Of course. So they read that right when it had just come out. So yeah. that was sort of early readers for it. But when yeah, right. uh, they recommend it to, they all said, oh, my daughter. And it's like, uh, why not your son? Oh. So it's interesting how they're funny because it's mostly like, they do read women writers now. So Barbara King Solver's Demon Copperhead was another favourite of theirs last year. Horse, they loved Geraldine oh, Brooks Horse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, gosh, they read so well. I mean, no, I'm not surprised. I but the one that makes me laugh is that our original member, he used to come to every book club and he'd always like not like the books or he'd always make a point of coming in. Any book he read, he would never like any of the books. And when they read Sarah Women's When God Was a Rabbit, it made him cry. Like there was things oh, like. Oh, that's like, gorgeous. Yeah. That book made me cry too. Yeah. Amazing. So that's fantastic. That's special. Yeah. I think what you've done with the men's is unreal. I was never able to do it at all with the shop. I tried a couple of times. I know men, they are religiously swapping over books and exactly the same. They're really well read. They're shy. They're fundamentally shy. They would shy. never click in and talk to each other about it. And that's what we still grapple with is how to get them to articulate what they thought of the books. They're getting better, but they at the basis, they're just bit, they're just shy. Whereas mm. the boys that were in our teens book club would not stop talking. Very oh, firm, like lots of opinions. Yeah. So they're oh, the book club. Yeah. So wait for them a couple of years and then you could do your book blokes book club again. Ah, oh, I will. <laughs> I'll put that on my list. And so what are the kids ones reading at the moment? So primary kids are just going to read a book over the holidays of their choice and then come and tell each other about it. We do that for our book club as well. I love yeah. that. Yeah, Such so we'll see. We've never done that before, so we'll see how that goes. And then so the teams are meeting tonight. So And then they're going to do City of Nightmares, which is that one about the oh. girl who becomes the man-eating spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's on my list, actually. Yeah, we'll see. Most unturned. Why not try something new? It just sounds so completely weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the blokes, I was going to do Limberloft, but of course they're reprinting. So they're going to do the Age of Vice. Oh, excellent. Yeah, which I thought was an amazing adrenaline charged novel. So, gosh, they're going to love it. Yeah, how exciting. So, what was your favorite book of 2022? Was it Fellowship? No, it was actually Peggy Frew's Wildflowers. Oh. It was the one about the sis because it was like when I read Charlotte Wood's The Weekend, there was the way that she really captured the observations that we would have of decades-long friends. I just thought, and the same is what Peggy did with the sister, three sisters, and just drew them so well and also, for me, just really opened my mind again to how a trauma in a family that's never dealt with can just, you know, it unravels lives. It was just, right. I don't know if anyone had a chance to read it, but the writing was no, just it's so actually good. on my bedside table and I will bust it up. I knew it was going to be good. Yeah, yeah really good. Like up there in top 10 books I've read. So Wow, okay, thank you. But not for every, because a lot of people that we, because most of, we mostly hand sell. Like it's a, not a lot of yes. people that yep. yep. do definitely. But you know that there are people that are just, it's not going to be, that's the book for them. Because yep. I'll pack it straight up and go, I'll be reading a lot of heavy things and I just want to read something fun. But isn't that the beauty of, of knowing your customers so well and living in, and working in such a small community that you really yeah. do know who to recommend what to and who's going to love yeah. this one? And yeah, I think. I read The Luminous Solution, Charlotte Wood's book, two years ago now, uh-huh. and just how their publishers are always saying this character is not relatable, this character is not likable, this you know has to resonate. These, but like 
And it's like, come on, we should be challenging ourselves to read stories and to read characters that we don't like and stories because you should be focused on the craft of the writing and and wonder where that story is going to take you rather than. Otherwise we're just eating white bread all the time. And, yeah, yeah, I used to always think that I needed a character in a book that I would like, such a lazy way of reading. (laughs) And then you read any of John Boyne's books and it just gives you every character that you're never going to like. I know. So when I was a bookseller like 30 years ago, I never wanted people buying books to feel judged by me. And I couldn't believe how many people would come and apologise for buying a white book. Or feel that they have to explain themselves. Like I'm just, I'm going through a bit at home at the moment. So I think I just need some Danielle Steele. I'm like, Danielle Steele, read all the Danielle Steele that you like. Right. But somehow people still feel they need, but you're, anyway. So no, no judgment here. It doesn't matter. You can have whatever you want but I have to say there's one book I would draw the line I'd never I don't want it in my shop I don't want Lolita in my shop I would not sell Lolita yeah I've never recommended Lolita I've never felt comfortable with that book or um I'm going back on myself here we should be reading books that are more challenging and characters we don't like no, and- that one left me feeling very uncomfortable there's some things that you shouldn't be that's right you can, that's the thing. you can push yourself to read the book but you don't have to like it like I've just gone back on myself you just have to there's always <laughs> there can be no hard and fast rules <laughs> no and I'm not going to order every book for the shop and I do read a lot of books that I never order for the shop because I just think I don't have a customer for that book and when you become more honed as you would have is that you know who your customers are 80% of the people are 80% of our business we see them regularly so if I can't immediately think of who's going to like that book you're just leaving it up to some random that might happen to walk by and want it may or may not yeah and so nine times out of ten it's like when I stopped ordering the books because when people would come in and say oh have you got such and such no oh my goodness it's the most wonderful book you should have it for your shop and it's like oh okay well all right so I'd order it and a year later I'd be returning it it's I've just done that easy. too yeah but it goes to that whole trusting yourself like how long have you had your shop for we've been open oh. seven years now yeah congratulations that's so good <laughs> thank you you need to be able to back yourself I think your, your gut reaction is usually thing I've really wanted it's just so wasteful and that's been yeah. my biggest day is that I just I've ordered things that I just because the reps will come in and say oh this is going to get so much publicity and this is going to get on this this and this and this and instead of thinking uh no customer has ever come in and asked for books because they've seen them on a billboard site like that I know yeah, 100% so Fidler was interviewing them yes there's more chance yeah. I mean so you knew the few people that would influence people coming in and asking for things now I just think I will order it so in the case of Harry's book that was a big commitment for a small independent bookshop to want to yes. buy a lot of that to have it for the day and I just thought I'm not putting my balance sheet into that I've got schools going back and making orders and I have to have capital for that so yeah. I'm just going to order five or so copies and only order them if I get asked for it and I was really surprised at people that did ask for it so Um, fine so I explained to them I'm not going to have it on that day I'm not going to have it on Wednesday I'll have it on Friday they were fine of course they were I didn't want to buy it either I got it from the library they must have had a million copies because they would have known everyone would have had reserves for it yeah for sure Kyle I thought wow that was (laughs) no one came in actually on the day and asked for a copy like just walked in off the street and said have you got it because I've got a few copies on the shelf 
discounting and underselling it's just it's not cool it's not cool at all publishers knowingly supply and create that problem yeah and it goes to what we were saying before you shouldn't have to work in this industry and be losing money you shouldn't have to be doing it for love and it's i think now it's interesting because independents only account for 10 percent of book sales so independent bookshops like me only because the majority are through discount department stores chain stores and obviously online And I do think, as we all know, a lot of stuff does get published just to fill those shelves. And there's a huge amount of waste that goes on behind that because that'll only sit there until the next new release. Yeah, and then it all gets pulled because they can't return it because the state that it's usually in because it's been... Yes, yeah. So in our small way, not having to return as much as we've been doing over the last seven years will not only make the publishers happy but because it's all your capital sitting on the shelf all the time, I'd rather sell what I know we can sell and order what we have to order. Being able to use my capital now so for schools, for their orders and for theirs. How did you get into bookselling? Did you go straight from school into? No, but I had jobs. Like I had my Saturday job. I actually went into banking for like 20 years because I knew that I wanted to have a bookshop. Had a little career break in my, sounds very, (laughs) I sound very old, in my mid-20s. And so I went to manage a bookshop in Mossman, which was Mosscraft at the time. And I always thought that my mother and I would buy that shop and the beautiful Marianne Bray that owned the shop, I think we all thought that this would happen. And then I was married and we wanted to buy a house and, you know, we wanted to have kids, we wanted to do stuff. There was absolutely no way you could do that. Even before the competition of everything else come to that, it's from a long time of saving and planning and having other income to sort of support you when I started I had to add the cafe in as well you couldn't possibly justify doing a bookshop by itself and I had to do pre-loved as there's no way to make it viable so but that's why the school business for us that's just been really great because of the number of teacher librarians who live in the area and perhaps have work at schools elsewhere or the local beautiful Avalon librarian at the time so we've sort of grew from that and then just through Ian who used to work for us that I actually had gone to replace when he had a heart transplant 30 years ago in Mossman worked for us for years and he was really great at building business Danica's been able to build I love her yeah so I know what we offer is like such a deep domain knowledge of our books that you can confidently go into schools and and sort of help them build their collections and buys and and which is what they value. But then there are some schools that obviously with budget constraints or whatever are always just going to buy their books through Scholastic and Topia because they're very price-driven and that's not who... I mean, we're selling books at recommended retail price at a discount anyway. They're getting a lot of value. So ultimately, a school business is very capital-intensive because you've got to be paying staff with specialists knowledge yes. to yes. and be yes. that so the school has a lot of value so yes. hopefully our generation of readers will be very good well thank you so much for the chat Libby oh I love chatting with you I know well it, and hopefully lots more opportunities in the real time yeah absolutely absolutely so lovely thank you very thank much you, Anna. Bye. bye 
Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there. And that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free. And I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.